Hi, I'm Tom Power. Welcome to Toy Heart, a podcast about bluegrass. This is the last episode of season two here from Nashville is my conversation with Allison Krauss. I remember, you know, the first time I looked out in the audience and saw people singing words to our songs that only we had recorded. That was just a really crazy moment. Just never thought it would end up being there. Never thought we'd hear back from Rounder. Yeah. Never thought we would hear from Rounder in the first place. If this is your first time listening, you can hear full interviews with Jerry Douglas, Allison Brown, Bela Fleck, Larry Sparks, Jody Stecker, and so many more wherever you get your podcast. Thank you so much for listening. Later on. From BGS, you're listening to The Shift List, where chefs talk about the music that fills their kitchens, restaurants, and recipes. I'm Chris Jacobs. Miles Thompson is the executive chef of Michael's Restaurant in Santa Monica, a mainstay in the modern Californian cuisine movement for almost 40 years, having acted as a springboard for the likes of Nancy Silverton, Jonathan Waxman, Brooke Williamson, Sang Yoon, and more. Originally from New York State, Thompson moved to L.A. over a decade ago to work in the kitchens of Nobu, Animal, and Son of a Gun, respectively, before venturing out on his own to start the wonderfully received pop-up series called The Vagrancy Project, a supper club that he ran out of his tiny Hollywood apartment for about eight months. The Vagrancy Project ultimately led to Thompson opening his first restaurant as head chef at the now-closed Alamet in Echo Park, which was selected by Bon Appetit as one of the best new restaurants in 2013. After a brief stint away from Southern California, Thompson returned in 2016 to take the helm at Michael's after founder Michael McCarty's son Chaz convinced his father to bring on the young chef, telling him they needed to take things to the next step at the venerable restaurant. Two years in, Thompson continues to push forward the restaurant's legacy as an icon of Southern California's restaurant scene, coming up with many of his most innovative recipes while listening to music during his sometimes 90-minute commute from East L.A. to Santa Monica on the 10 freeway. I caught up with Miles on one of his recent days off in September. My name is Miles Thompson. I'm the executive chef of Michael's Restaurant in Santa Monica. Michael's is a 40-year-old restaurant next April, so there's a lot of history there. A lot of great chefs have come through there, and a lot of interesting food has also crossed the threshold. I started cooking in a catering company uh, when I was young. I started as a dishwasher for that company. Where are you from? I'm from New York State. So I worked for her for six years, and, you know, we didn't have music. It was like very much like you'd come in, you'd do your thing, cook, break down, clean up. And then I worked in a one restaurant in New York before I moved out to Los Angeles, and there was no music at all. It just is old school French chef, like that's just, this is the brigade system and this is how it works, and we're just in here and we're slaving away. Um, he was an awesome guy, but that's just where he came from, and so that was his mentality. When I moved out here, I started working at Nobu for my chef mentor, his name is Alex Becker. And one of many, I mean, everyone becomes a mentor in time, the more you remember them, you know, and, and but he's really the one who like taught me how to actually cook food. Um, and he didn't play any music. I mean, he loved music. He loved going to shows. And then when I moved over to work for John and Vinny um, at Animal and Son of a Gun, we, we would always have music during breakdown and not during mise en place, though. Um, I worked at Animal like a, basically like a year plus after they opened, so it's very much like baby animal. Like it's a totally different beast now. Um, it was really exciting. I was there the night that they broke 200 covers the first time. Like very, very exciting. And then at Son of a Gun, um, I would run the night. So at the end of the night, we would do, you know, we break down the kitchen, scrub, polish everything, you know. So we would we definitely would jam out. And that they were both late kitchens. So those cooks were there till like 1, 2 in the morning. Right. So because they're open super late. So... 
at the end of the night, we would hear the music come in from the dining room. And that they, at Sound of a Gun, they would play like Hall & Oates and Jimi Hendrix. And like I would know every night when How Long the Watchtower came on that it was getting to the end of the playlist. It's like, all right, we're cruising through the rest of the night now. Which is also like one of my favorite jams. It was, it was good. And the music at Animal is pretty loud. Very loud. I mean, you could hear, yeah, it's a small restaurant. Like, you know everything's going on. There's a little window near the station I worked. You could peek out into the dining room and, like, see people eating, and that was really cool. I've never worked in a completely, well, I have worked in a completely open kitchen. That was in Northern California. But that was kind of a whole hybrid, amazing space called uh, the Shed in Healdsburg, the Healdsburg Shed. So that was another world. And that was awesome because the owner, Doug, loved Bill Frizzell. Bill Frizzell is one of my favorite musicians. So we'd do like Sunday brunch and there'd just be like trippy Frizzell music dribbling through and like it was pretty wild. Um, trippy brunch. Trippy brunch is not a bad thing, you know? Like I still love Bill Frizzell. Like I was, I was like, day the album came out, buy the physical copy of the album, listen to it about six times. Bill Frizzell freak. It's just more just the vibe of it, that like kind of very layered, complex, I mean, unspeakable album was the one that like broke my mind, you know, into his world. So that just layering and like the, the whispering and the beats and the, the reverb and the splashy stuff. And that's how I really like to cook where there's like, this is like, you know, in his music, there's this auditory assault and then in the cooking is this like flavor assault, but very angular, textured, and dimensional. Not just like salt, umami, it's like salt, umami, acid, sugar, spice, crunch. Like, whoa, I just had seven experiences in the 14 seconds I was chewing that thing. You know? <laughs> Which, that, the way you just described that sounded like jazz. <laughs> cool. <laughs> yeah. Was there a pre-existing culture of music in the kitchen at Michael's prior to you coming in? Well, no. I mean, there was definitely a pre-existing culture of music in the restaurant because Chaz, Michael's son, who is one of the managers of the restaurant, is a musician himself and has a huge, amazing breadth of musical knowledge and changed all the music when he came on a little before me. Like, it's music that I want to listen to all the time. You know, and it can be anything from, like, Lou Reed, you know, like an off who song to some artists that only Chaz will know the name of, or like, you know, like a Japanese pedal steel guy, just like, yeah, like, I, I, you know, these guys are awesome. I, I mean, like, I don't even know their names. Like, I just go, I just like, I go out there and I'm like, this song is so good. And there's a gallery upstairs with a completely different soundtrack. So, like, you go, like, to the bathroom upstairs, and you're, like, downstairs, and there's just, like, some slidey song playing, like, real sexy, and it's, like, 7.30 on a Thursday. And then you go upstairs, and there's, like, an, an audible, like, art piece playing, like, someone chewing on, like, popcorn. Amazing. And then, like, you'll come up later, and, like, Al Green's just, like, blasting. It's really cool. 
So tell me about um, prep there then um, and kind of like what you guys are listening to right now during prep and kind of like what the what the vibe is in getting ready at, over at Michael's. Yeah, so most of the music is kind of curated by the sous chef, one of the sous chefs, his name is Jeff, and he is like, The Clash is his favorite band, but at the same time, like, he'll come in and he'll just be like, yeah, we're going to listen to three Beatles albums today. Like, it's like there's no... He listens to all kinds of music. And then you'll go back there and it's just, like, metal ripping. And just... And because he kind of has been there for so long and, like, is established as the guy that just chooses the music, no one complains. They question, like, you listen to that? And then sometimes, like, like, hey, hey, hey Jeff, you ever heard of uh, Jason Isbell and the 400 Unit? And they'll be like, who's that? And I'm like, let's, let's listen to it now. You could come to Definitely, I've gotten to like a Jason Isbell phase right now. I didn't know because I like I just I didn't know he was in the Drive By Truckers, and so like I heard, listened to the live album in Alabama and they played Goddamn Lonely Love, and I was like, wait a second, this is the same guy? Holy! Like yeah, I love that song. I I I think that song is incredible, um, and just like what a name for a song. So prior to being at Michael's, tell me about the stuff that you did in your own home kitchen with the Vagrancy Project and maybe kind of the vibe that you tried to set when you were doing that on, on your own and you had like a, a, or for lack of a better term, a supper club, uh, but... Yeah, so we definitely played music during that and that was a meticulously crafted playlist for each menu. So there was one, there was one that was like a Kurt Rosenwinkel inspired. So like, if you know Kurt Rosenwinkel, he's like this wild jazz guitar player with like... And he has like one of those little mics, and he'll like sing all the lines at the same time. He's like this while he's playing guitar. But they're just his the tone that he has on his instrument is so crazy. He's like a lot of saxophone and keys playing with it. So one was just basically based on one of his albums. The thing is, like it was an L shape essentially. So there's this long table with twelve to fourteen people, and then you know. On the other side of the L was a galley kitchen with a tiny sink and a four-burner stove. And that's all we had. Um, and we did all the dishes by hand, you know, washed them all. We had no dishwasher. And we just went for it. You know, we did, like, over 150 plates of food out of this little tiny kitchen. Out so, of your uh, kitchen. Out of my kitchen, yeah, where I lived. So that was a nuts experience, just living where you work, in in your complete workspace. Like I could take a nap on the couch, but there'd be stock simmering on the stove that I'd set an alarm to go check and skim, you know, crazy. Cause you weren't working anywhere else at the time. No, that was my job. Yeah. It was, that was full on the deal. And how long did that last? It was about eight months. Did the music that you listened to at home while cooking, you know, uh, just being, just hanging out, did that change after the the supper club experience, like like what do you tend to like to listen to at home, and, and did you have to kind of like rearrange that based on how you were prepping for things during the supper club? Um, no, I don't think it changed. I think I like it forced me to learn more stuff and like get into other music, and I'm always on the hunt, you know. So it didn't change. I would say I would say it would it would have evolved if anything because you were just spending more time yeah. cooking at home, cooking at home, and listening. Like constantly listening to music, but I was a musician when I was younger, 
So I studied, I studied classical music. So I love classical music. I studied classical music and composition. I played classical guitar. So like, I would throw in like a classical piece, like a six, seven minute long, just like jam. You know, I would listen to a lot of just full albums of classical music, like Albanus and stuff like that, you know, just playing in the background and, you know, enjoy that. And then, oh, well, we could, we could play Mallorca before the second meet course. You know, like it gets slow and then there's a middle part and then it comes slow again and then you can dovetail into like, you know, some iron and wine jam somehow. You know, like, and then they will like build off to that and then you're playing Layla all of a sudden. It's like the, the electric version, you know? And so, Not the unplugged version. No, I am, I am a firm believer in the original version of that song. The electric version's amazing. You know, we would we would slip in a Robert Johnson tune, and then like it would go into Crossroads by Clapton. And it was like, oh wait, just play the same song back to back, but they're completely different. And like, we just had a cocktail, so this is kind of cool. You know, whatever the thing is for the hospitality side of it, because the music has to be there because it's just weird to be in a per- another person's apartment at all, and it would be weird if there was no music, and it would be even weirder if there's a lull in conversation there's not something good playing so we were very conscious about where the lulls might happen or what dish people might be eating without talking during like the more interactive ones or the more i don't want to say like psychedelic but like the trippier ones that were like a little more there were some dishes that were just straight up bizarre like they, i would never make them again can you remember any of them i mean one of them yeah i can a few of them one that i would definitely make again that was very out there was very good. It was we did like lobster poached in butter. So like we just took them out of the shell and basically like blanched them so we could take them out whole. And then it was just like literally just drop in warm butter and let it cook till it's like warm, essentially. And then there's this farmer's cheese, fromage blanc, that's tinted with squid ink and has white chocolate almonds and Meyer lemon in it. And that was on the bottom of the plate. And then just like the drain the lobster so it's not dripping with butter. And then you put it on there and then just like covered in anise hyssop leaves. That's not something that you eat normally, you know? Especially like, in someone's house. In someone's house, you know? And, like, we're eating, like, lobster and squid ink-tinged almond white chocolate cheese. Like, it's going to get quiet for a minute. you got to make sure that you're not playing some, like, lonesome pines kind of thing at that point, which is not, I'm nothing against that, but it's like you got to have a little bit of energy going there. And so it's like, oh, and then, you know, the LCD sound system's cranking. It's like building on that quiet time and then just breaks. And everyone's like, whoa, what's happening right now? You know, it's so fun. The, the Vagrancy Project really solidified for me the understanding of the, the connection of the food that I like to cook and the music I like to listen to. Just like stylistically. Like there's a trout row and fig dish on the menu now at Michael's and it's covered in like all these popped grains and there's like a green sauce underneath it and it's very much looks like an impressionist field of wildflowers. You know, like it's a straight Debussy song right there, you know? Like it's just happening. Like blue is the color that like like the like light blue color of dots in the sky. That's what it is in my head and like do I think of a song and then make a dish? No. Do I think of a dish and think of a song? No. It's a lot of times I'll be driving into work and I'll be like, wow, you know, um, the song is 
like this and that and oh and then you start just kind of diving off while you're on the freeway into this whole like matrix of your own head and figure out new stuff I was so young when I was playing music that I I kind of like burned myself out on it in a way that I just like went too hardcore into being a musician like in in ethos and in study and in like physically hurting myself and practicing so much like I didn't have much of a filter or much control about it and um, I really didn't do myself any justice they're like I think if I had a little more restraint and that's the main lesson I think I learned from I don't play music at all anymore at all Um, which I wish that I could still play the songs I could play back then but restraint is like the thing that I most appreciate about the artists that I like and about the food that I really like to eat. Like my favorite chef right now is Ignacio Matos of Estella and Flora Bar and Cafe Alto Paradiso in New York. Like his food is like, you look at it, there's like three ingredients on the plate. You eat it, you just think like, what? No way. You can't do that with three ingredients, you know? So I think restraint, you know, it's kind of a way to wrap it up. Is like the thing that I learned the most about myself I think I probably just learned it right now, so thank you, Um, is that if I had more restraint as a musician, I probably would still be doing it. And every day I try to restrain my cooking more so it's more focused and and honest because, you know, there's no reason to do anything if it's not honest. Thanks to Chef Miles Thompson. Check out michaelsantamonica.com for reservations and the most recent seasonal menu. You can also head over to thebluegrasssituation.com for a link to Miles' shift list, including all the music you heard on this episode and more. If you like this episode, please give us a five-star review and tell your friends to subscribe. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, all the places that you get your podcasts. The Shift List is produced by me, Chris Jacobs, based on an article of the same name created by Nevin Martell, originally published over at BGS.com. Our executive producer is Amy Reitenauer, with help, as always, from the entire BGS team, including associate editor Justin Hiltner, managing editor Craig Shelburne, marketing guru Joseph Klingel, and all the amazing writers and contributors that make BGS the best source for Roots culture redefined. Theme music by Jamie Drake. Check her out at jamiedrakemusic.com. The Shift List is part of the BGS Podcast Network. Be sure to check out BGS's ever-growing collection of podcasts up right now at thebluegrasssituation.com. I'm Chris Jacobs. Thanks for listening. Hey, it's Cindy Howes and Lizzie No from the podcast Basic Folk, honest conversations with folk musicians. Basic Folk is truly changing the game with our well-researched deep dives that aim to empower the listener while fostering the folk community. I basically am writing worship music for youth group rejects. Maternal regrets and maternal guilt are universal. I try to make things that are beautiful and that are made with like a purity of intention. You can listen to Basic Folk on on the Bluegrass Situation Podcast Network or at basicfolk.com.